Back to the Forgecast. My name's Sam Towns. My name's Alex Norton. And I'm Roy Adams. That's right. We got the man Roy back after three years. Three years and two <laughs> weeks it's been. <laughs> it's been an amazingly long time. Can't believe it. But uh, before we get to him, let's take a moment to thank our sponsor. This week's Forgecast is coming to you thanks to the radical Robert Weber Abrasive. So after the show, be sure to give webbers.net.au a visit to stock up on all the goodies you need for your knife-making shenanigans and the good-looking fellows at Nordic Edge, supplies of all things knife-making. All the goodies you'll need on your knife-making adventures can be found at their easy-to-use website, nordicedge.com.au. So give them a visit to stock up today. Thank you for joining us again, Roy. Thank you for having me. Been a long time. It has. We but, need um, people to drop in the comments whether or not they were legit listening when Roy was last on. <laughs> yeah, golly, <laughs> three years. Uh, but we'll circle back around to you in a minute, Roy. But uh, what have you been doing this week, Alex? I um, finished up the folding knife that I was working on, California Dream. Um, mm. all the scales are brown and the blade is gray. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's called California dream cause the handles were Californian redwood. Um, Ooh. and yeah, it's, um, it's already sold. Um, but I've been using it as the, uh, focal point of my, uh, knife photography course because a lot of people uh, make lovely knives, but can't photograph them for shit. So, I'm doing an online course to teach people how to get better photos of their work and then how to do the fancy photo edits that you see uh, using it. And uh, I needed a subject for that course um, and I wanted to make the most extra looking knife possible that had all of the different details (laughs) in it that are normally difficult to photograph in knives. And so I combined them all into one particularly elaborate project. Um, Mm. and I've been filming that course and filming an online course is no joke. It's a, it's a lot of work to do and then editing it takes just as much time again, if not more. So, um, I actually do a lot of sort of 3d overlays and things to explain lines of sight and depth of field and all these other concepts that are hard to describe with just words. So, um, there's a lot of work going into it, but hopefully all things going well, it should be out and available on Monday. Um, so looking, looking forward to having that out of my, cool. uh, under, uh, the radar and, and off my, my menu because there's a, a buoy competition starting, I hear next week. And, uh, <gasps> I want to be, I want to be in on that. So yeah. my song of the week this week is, uh, one that is mired in controversy. Mm. So I think if you Historic were to camp. construct a pantheon of the greatest songs ever written, Stairway to Heaven would have to be in almost everybody's. Yeah. Yeah. I was looking, like, I was literally thinking that, but at the same time, I'm like, I hate Stairway to Heaven. (laughs) Yeah, but most people do because it's been played so much, because so many people know of it. But did you know that there's a large controversy around Stairway to Heaven? Is there? And that it was directly ripped, the the famous um, 
picking, plucking riff that happens that opens the song was directly ripped from a song by a band called Spirit three years before. Hmm. And <laughs> the song by Spirit is called Taurus. Um, right. At, there's, a, there's a joke for people that are in there is that she's driving a Taurus to heaven. <laughs> um, <laughs> the song Taurus by Spirit is an instrumental piece. Uh, Spirit don't always do instrumental pieces, but they did an, an incredibly beautiful instrumental piece it is so atmospheric and and moving and emotional it's wonderful but the main overarching theme that sort of flows in this very amazing melodic piece of music is it's the stairway to heaven intro almost note for note and they not only wrote it but released it years before um led zeppelin did stairway to heaven and they have repeatedly tried to win in court against Led Zeppelin to try and get their claim in there, and they keep losing because Stairway to Heaven has more. Uh, Led Zeppelin has more money to throw at lawyers. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but not only do I challenge people to listen to this song, which is now on the Forgecast playlist, um, just to just m- marvel at the similarity, but also to appreciate <laughs> it as its own piece of music because it is just stunningly and hauntingly beautiful to listen to. Um, Mm. And despite it being note for note the same as Stairway to Heaven, the vibe is totally different to uh, Stairway to Heaven. So, um, yeah, definitely check it out because it directly, I'm I'm almost certain of it, directly inspired one of the greatest songs that has ever graced the earth. Interesting. Yes. But what about you, Big Fudge? Fudgery Gar? Oh. <laughs> um I've been I've been uh you know like doing my Sam Towns Hammersmith thing. Um <laughs> I uh forged uh six hammers last week um and I didn't get any of them finished for the Royal Show unfortunately. I did a, a day hosting the Perth Knife Show table at the Royal Show um in Perth and uh unfortunately it was a really slow day that day. There was almost no one there because the first three days of the show were the long weekend. So everyone was there those three days and then no one was there on the fourth. Um, but you know, it was, it was a good show. And nonetheless, it was good to spend some time with, uh, Jeremy, one of my fellow knife makers here in Perth. Um, but I've been spending the rest of the week kind of finishing those out. I did a bunch of grinding, uh, yesterday and, uh, he treated them today as we're recording this. Um, I did get two hammers finished, one that I took to the Royal Show and one that was actually a custom order from a friend and listener of the Forgecast, uh, Laughing Fish Forge. Mm-hmm. So he'll have his hammer very soon. Uh, I actually like it. it you'll like it too because it's a Viking cross pin that's got like um, the temper colors on it and all that kind I of do nice love your shiny Viking stuff. Cross <laughs> yeah, nice. so... Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's pretty good. I, I like it. So, uh, I'm looking forward to hearing what he has to say about it. Um, and yeah, other than that, I've been prepping for the hashtag Townsbury build off, which is coming out, um, the day after this show goes live. Uh, I'll be premiering the, um, announcement video at 12 AM, uh, 12 PM Western Australian standard time. Um, labeling, listing all of the prizes, some of which were donated by, uh, 
Nordic Edge, uh, a beautiful sponsors here at the Forgecast, and also by Ryan.WayFiddleback, who sponsors the uh, Forgecast competitions. What a handsome fellow. <coughs> yes, indeed. But um, yeah, so it's been really fun uh, kind of figuring out what parameters I wanted to set, because I, I want to leave it as open to interpretation as I can, because I really like to see people really expand their horizons when they come to these competitions. But at the same time, you have to set some parameters to keep them, you know, like f- fighting on the same field, if you like. Um, so I did throw a monkey wrench or two in there, but uh, I'm really interested to see what people come out with this year, because last year was he, amazing. He's like frantically writing, no folding buoys. <laughs> <laughs> that is not in the rules. <laughs> um, but uh, if, I mean, if someone wants to do a folding buoy again, and they're nuts enough to carry it out. I mean, they can do that. <laughs> I wouldn't. I don't know anyone crazy enough to do that. Do you, Alex? No, 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 no. no. Or a, or a, or a, how about a scissor buoy? <laughs> it's already been a done. Knife, a buoy knife that's already that's a pair of scissors. Uh, no. Um, but yeah, so that's that's basically everything I've been doing, and it's probably all I'm going to be doing next week as well. It's just doing all of this uh, prep around hammers and stuff like that and working on custom orders. My song of the week this week um, is one that, you know, I grew up with and heard all the time and everyone sings the lyrics wrong because it's hilarious. Um, <laughs> and you hear it referred to in pretty much every media that you've ever watched if you grew up in the 90s. Uh <laughs> Because the music video is just as ludicrous as the song itself is. Um, and it's by the Men Without Hats. And it's oh, called yeah. The Safety Dance. Uh-huh. Because you can dance if you want to. You can leave your friends behind. That but if your friends don't dance. Absolute, <laughs> absolute masterpiece. Yeah, it is great. I love it. It's, it's so ludicrous, but at the same time, fun. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, I figure it like it's it has to go on the Forgecast playlist because every time I hear it, I have to dance. Yeah, you know, just bopping around the workshop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, the safety dance by the Men Without Hats. Pretty much everyone will have heard it already, but it's a bop. It's got to go mm-hmm. on there. But with that being said, hello, Mister Adams. How you going? I'm doing good, doing well. What have you been up to <laughs> in the last three time. years? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. I forgot what I had for breakfast yesterday. So, uh, <laughs> might might be a short stream. It's all that. It's all that coal smoke, man. All that coal smoke. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see here. I've put out some pretty good iron work. Uh, the YouTube channel has really grown. So I think last time I was on here, I was coming up on 10k subs um we're almost at ninety thousand subs now yeah, on wow. youtube mm. which is kind of crazy gonna get that, hun- crazy gonna get that 100k about. silver play button soon yeah yeah don't want to speak too soon but uh, maybe well, <laughs> we might I've just slide four and a we half might slide thousand, back so the i'm way. gaining on you there Roy. <laughs> yeah yeah, I, I, have, I, I feel you nip. I feel you nipping at the heels there. I, I, I've got like a full ten percent of your following. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm on the up and up. Yeah, yeah. So and uh, yeah, so I mean that's that's really grown. Um, 
I've got a CNC business now as well. I mm. added CNC work. Mm. I'm offering blacksmithing blanks to uh, various blacksmiths around the world there. Shameless mm-hmm. self-plug, if, you, if I don't mind if I do. They are pretty good too, <laughs> as a person who has some in his possession. They are, they are very good. Well, thank you. Thank you. So, and that's, that's been constantly evolving. Um, I've brought on a new guy, uh, work with me. Uh, most people have seen him on the channel now. His name's Thomas Goody Moot, And I'm sure he's like, he'll just pee a puddle when he hears this on the, on the podcast <laughs> that his name was mentioned. Um, but, uh, yeah, he, yeah, he's been helping me out. And so that's been, that's been an interesting adjustment, you know, adjusting to having, um, you know, a full-time guy in the shop to work with you know, both forge with and, uh, do a whole host of other things with. So that, that's been a, an interesting change. And that's been in this last year or so, you know, last year, Mm. year and a half. Yeah. I've had a chance to speak to Thomas a couple of times. He speaks very highly of you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm glad. I'm glad. He he just doesn't know how well I know you. (laughs) It's it's out of fear. I'm sure. You speak well or you get the trip yeah. hammer again. <laughs> yeah, he's got a corner in my shop that I could just tell him, go to your corner. <laughs> but it's okay. There's a forge and anvil in that corner of the shop. Oh, so. Yeah. <laughs> it's not too much of a punishment. Yeah, well. How's Olga doing? Oh, she's holding up fine. Holding up yeah. fine. Uh, taking my abuse daily. <laughs> <laughs> and Olga's my anvil, by the way, folks who are listening, and not my wife. Oh, <laughs> uh, well. <laughs> You've yeah. still been I should have probably of... left the context. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's good with, with or without. <laughs> I'm just going to edit that explanation out anyway in the final episode. So <laughs> yeah, everyone, <laughs> that'll be <laughs> Keep them guessing. As ever, yeah. you're uh, blowing us away with your uh, copper sheet work and your, your bowl work. I, I, I have Thank tried you. making bowls a few times, and I hate it every time. <laughs> Such a pain. Ugh. But you, you yeah, make that, it look easy. Yeah, compound curves are quite an interesting thing to forge. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't get any better from there either. Uh, you know, it just gets more <laughs> tricky. The As thing of go, yours, the more curves you add. So, the thing of yours I've been marveling at is the door knocker project that you're working on. Absolutely mm. insane oh, yeah. amount of work. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of work that go, has went into that piece. I think it'll be a, a real stunner when it's done. Um, I asked on my live stream. Uh, I had a live stream uh, about been about a week or so ago now, I think, and I asked what people thought. I wanted to give the foreground element the actual knocker element more contrast from the background element and i was originally going to do gold leaf and uh silver leaf on the foreground element of the actual uh, knocker itself to distinguish it from the backdrop because there is so much scroll work on that baroque door knocker um uh, you know so but I got a real interesting whole wide range of responses you know everybody has at least two opinions <laughs> Right, uh, oh, of the yeah. deal. So I don't think I'm any closer to figuring that out um, artistically what I'd like to do. But, uh, you know, they it, say it's one of those projects. Like, I'm almost out of time. <laughs> opinions are like nipples. Everyone's got at least two and half of them are useless. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> I don't want to pick which nipple's useless. <laughs> I, I have, have to say... Oh, oh, sorry. For no, no, you go. I was going to uh, ask if Roy had a song he'd like to add to the Forgecast playlist. Oh, yeah. I, I've got one that's probably going to enrage about half your audience. Danny Depends boy. on where they... Where, where they fall on this subject. Um, but uh, I've been listening to here recently, as uh, Alex would call it, a, it's a real bop. Yeah, it's a real slapper for me. The Christmas Song by Nat King Cole. <laughs> uh, right. And yes, that's right, ladies and gentlemen, Christmas is coming. <laughs> 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 That's right. In a, it's in still September. spooky season. <laughs> uh, we actually had our first frost here, up here in the north. So yeah, right. Yeah, yep. you're stealing our cold weather, mate. I want it back. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that's my hope and prayer this season. Everybody gets cold weather. Well, that'd Christmas. be nice. There you go. Well, as long as it's not nuclear winter, I'll think I'll be happy. <laughs> mm, yeah, that'd be good if we could avoid that. Mm. Uh, volcanic mm. winter? Is that better? It's not yeah. radioactive. Yeah, why not? Uh, <laughs> yeah. You're, yeah. You're closer to Yellowstone than we are, so. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Every, I'll be just fine when the apocalypse happens, so I'll be just fine. Mm-hmm. You'll just see yeah. me out there ice fishing. I'll be good to go. <laughs> yep. Warming your hands by the forge. Yep. Mm-hmm. So how's how's the other half of Christ Centered Ironworks going? She's been um, scaling up fairly consistently, old Jess. She's, every time you do a post about it, she's learning something new. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jessica, my wife, she's doing wonderful. Um, like, right now she's doing... Uh, she does like fiber work as well, uh, doing photography, product photography and videography cool. for folks um, on the side. That's completely a side fun thing that she does just for mm -hmm. a hobby. I know. Sounds like work. I mean, she gets paid to do it, but it's like oh, her hobby, it, self-funding hobby. Yeah. Yeah. So she's been applying herself there, um, obviously trying to keep up with me in the business and all the craziness there and uh, homeschooling our kids all at the same time. So, yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. Mm, if you, you want to know who does, yeah. If you want to know who does 90% of the work here at Christ center ironworks, it's, it's Jess. It's, <laughs> it's definitely Jess. There's no, there's no question about it. I sip on my coffee and I just watch it go. <laughs> I just see those live streams and how busy they are. And I'm, I, all I can think of is just, she must be just this blur of fingers on the keyboard behind the camera there. Yeah, yeah, I, I like to call our Tappy Fingers McGee on there because you know we'll get we'll get to looking on something on the internet. My brain doesn't react that fast, you know. I'm like, hey, well, you know, I was thinking, and she's like, <laughs> she's already at like David I'm like, no, 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 no. I, I was saying, <laughs> you know, and she's already there. It's like, dude, it's like you got to slow down. I didn't even see what you typed. <laughs> didn't finish my thought. So. Like, yeah, yeah, on the live streams that keeps her hopping. Um, but we got a good setup, and we've been at it for quite a while, so yeah, it helps keep up. Yeah, uh, um, some of the 
you know, multiple camera angles and the nice soft fades between them. And it's very, very professional. I still remember the early days when before you had all that and it, you've come so far, it's just incredible to watch now. And such yeah. an audience that, that pops into those things. Yeah, yeah, there's there's a good grouping of people, especially on the giveaway live. So yeah, well. uh, we've been continuing that theme now for the last, well, three years. Yeah, about the last three years we've been doing giveaway lives over there. Um, giving away one blacksmithing tool a month. People <laughs> love know. the giveaways. I mean, I'll be lucky to get a yeah. dozen comments on one of my videos, but I did a hammer giveaway a couple of years ago, and um, there's like 200 comments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. it's great to get immediate watch time and immediate engagement, but there's a big dramatic fall off once that giveaway item's gone mm -hmm. though. So, you yeah. know, that's that's the way it works. That used to bug me a lot. It's like, well, why aren't they part of the community? This that. It's like, eh. Uh, no, let's just say everybody loves free things, even if they dislike me personally. They <laughs> they wouldn't mind if I sent some sent them something for free though. You know, so. But that, that's just kind of part of the deal. But fortunately, everyone that we've given tools away, whether it be gas forges or anvils or, um, you know, the swedge blocks that we did the one year. Uh, fortunately, everyone who's received one has been a beginner just getting their start. Just yeah, about. And that can the make few people that were. Difference. Yeah. The few people that already had one, they had they knew a local person that was struggling to get started. And they were able to give it, you know, re-gift it to them instead. So, awesome. um, so, so that's been a, about that that's been a real before. wholesome like, thing. So, as an established blacksmith, you can change somebody's life, even with if it's with a a few bits of scrap steel or uh, a bit of rail track or anything that for you is just a throwaway item can make all the difference in the world to to somebody that's just starting out. Yep, very much so. You know we oftentimes don't think about it, but you know, our words have a lot of impact and you don't have to have a large channel, a large following on any sort of platform to take and have a lot of impact in fellow people's lives. Like, um, you know, I'm just kind of a front man on the internet, I guess you would say for that. And to a degree, we've been doing giveaways since, well, before I had money to give away anything. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Trust me, me and Jess had a lot of fights about that <laughs> in the <laughs> earlier days of YouTube. Uh, she's like, but we're not going to eat this week. It's like, but I gotta. How's the I'm growing the go, YouTube. Like, behind every great man is a great woman rolling her eyes. Yeah, yep. yeah, there you go. 100%. <laughs> An occasional stomp of the foot, maybe. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Putting the foot down, so. But uh, but yeah yeah a lot of a lot of people can have impact. Anybody who's listening to this, you know, you you don't know how much impact you can have just by giving somebody a bit of steel, you know, mm. giving somebody a bit of steel or a bit of advice or you know if you have old tools, you're upgrading to some new ones. Hey, think about maybe gifting the old ones to somebody this year. Well, even just answering a question and giving a bit of encouragement, um, listeners that have, I mean, we get so many emails from listeners who say like, you guys are responsible for me being where I am. Uh, and if you are one of those people that have written in one of those emails, I want you to listen to this because I'm sitting here staring at a screen with two, the two first YouTube blacksmiths that I interacted with and asked questions of and got words of encouragement from when I first started 
five, six years ago. It was Sam and Roy, and I'm now having a roundtable chat with them. And so those words of encouragement to somebody starting out lead to, you know, this. And now you guys all are stuck with me. So take that as a good or a bad thing. It's up to you. But this is where it leads. And it, it, it was literally Sam's channel and Roy's channel and Niels's channel were the three that I watched. And that was it. Mm-hmm. That that you were the only, I I didn't realize the community was as big as it was. I just thought it was you guys. <laughs> I I still remember you pestering me in my in my uh, YouTube live stream comments. Oh yeah, I used to join Roy's too <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> we both did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, years ago think- and you know that, that that but it it encouraged me and it kept me going with the craft and it answered all the stupid weird questions that I had. And, you know, it led to me asking less stupid questions and getting better and and being encouraged to try again when things didn't work and learn more. And, you know, words have that impact. Roy's absolutely right. Yeah. I'm glad to be some small part of that. Yeah. Big part. Because look at at you guys now. Look at you guys now. Getting together. World's number one blacksmithing podcast. Yeah. Right? (laughs) Largest one, right? Yeah. Is is it is it number one by rankings or is it number yep. one by size? Number one uh, rankings, rankings, uh, and uh, the rankings are done though automatically by engagement, so it could be both. Yeah, that's yep. awesome. I think there's an interesting little tag on here as well. Um, if you'll indulge me for a second, but you, that just goes to show you that everybody starts at zero. Yeah. Right. Like everybody starts at a ground zero. So listeners of this podcast, you're literally, you're just listening to three dudes talk Mm -hmm. and have a conversation that outside of these platforms, YouTube, Instagram, podcasting, right? Any, any of this sort of stuff, we would just be your regular old guys that you might bump into at a supermarket somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and so, so if you're wanting to get into something like this or, or, you know, you want to participate in the community and have large have a large impact you just have to get started and get going after it because i started at zero and uh you know sam goes way back alex goes way back right and you guys Mm -hmm. know what my original channel looked like i remember what your original workshop looked like that tiny little dark shed (laughs) that i made you drag the bank tank out of that was Yeah. Go and now I'm just in a really big dark shed. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, we're blacksmiths. Dark sheds are where we live. Yeah. 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 Like Basically, trolls. So. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. You so, start, you know, you start with anybody can start it. from zero. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Exactly. And speaking, speaking of building up, you've been tooling up quite significantly since we last had you on the show. I mean, CNC mm. plasma cutters and, and you've yeah. got your um, – the are you calling it a um, like a motorized trip hammer or a motorized treadle hammer, or is it a, a sledge power hammer, or what? What what is the terminology you use it's, for it? So, so the actual terminology for that type of hammer is a air assisted treadle hammer. Right, so, right. a regular treadle hammer you would use leg power, mm-hmm. right? And there's two types. There's swing arm treadle hammers, and then there's inline treadle hammers, which yes. we all know they got like the skate wheels and stuff on. And those would be foot powered traditionally. 
And then I've added an air cylinder to this swing arm treadle hammer that swings a sledgehammer to make it an air assisted treadle hammer. Um, and yeah. uh, so, and that's, that's been a, that's been a most recent thing uh, that I've been adding up. I wanted a cheaper option for Smiths out there hmm. other than like your start price into power tools is 2,500 bucks minimum for, and that's yep. just for a regular treadle hammer. <laughs> that's just for a regular inline treadle hammers, like 2,500 bucks. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I offer these kits where guys can bolt them together in the garage for 700 bucks out the door shipped. Yeah. So, you know, that's one heck of a deal. Yeah. It makes a hell of a difference yeah, to your workflow too, work, having so. that kind of kick at your disposal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's and like it basically, an it's like having a striker. Having people. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Yep. Yep. Exactly. It's basically, that was the design in mind. It's for a guy's garage, right? You know, a lot of yep. people say, well, I ain't got the space. Well, you know, I've been there. I don't have a ton of space, but you know, if you have a little pole barn that you're in or, or if you're in a garage and you've got a wall that you could mount a two by four to, <laughs> well, you can mount this treadle hammer there and uh, oh. you can actually fold it up out of the way as yeah. well. You know, I mean, you can pick it up out of the workspace and you can mm -hmm. use your own anvil as the striking surface. So, you know, I've really put a lot of engineering and thought into it of like, you know, okay, what does, what does a small guy's workshop need? You know, I've Honestly, got another like, power hammer in the shop and press. I've got, mul I got multiple presses. I've got a power hammers, other options, but it's like my, my story is not the common story. You know, I, I don't have, you know, not a lot of people have a 2000 square foot shop. Well, you we know, have um, known stuff, each other so. long enough that we've gotten to watch the evolution of that design go mm. from the yeah. early days. It was like the Da Vinci hammer that was sort of lift itself, drop down, mm -hmm. and, uh, slowly evolved to what it is now. So it's not just something that you just pulled out of your head. It's something that was evolved and trialed and tested. And, you know, it's, yep. it's come from a really good place. Yeah. yeah I mean, and, like and the, the even... biggest complaints. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Sam. Oh, I was going to oh, no. say the biggest complaints I had with some of the earlier designs is it required welding, yeah, right? right. <laughs> like, like, Oh, I would love this, but I don't have a welder. And you know, in the earlier days, I'm like, come on, do you even Smith bro? And you don't even have a welder. What are you talking about? <laughs> I, it, it's funny, funny because back then I didn't have a welder either. At first I, I had to go over <laughs> to my buddy's garage to get a welder, you know, but somehow in my brain, I was like, come on, you don't have a welder. Like, you know, what's the deal? <laughs> and, uh, so that's evolved. So with this one, it would be easier for me to make a welded together option or, you know, just design something that like, Hey, you just throw a stick weld here versus using a bunch of bolts because, Oh Lord, yeah. how does that complicate the, the oh, CNC yeah. cutting and the design of it? It, it complicates it quite oh, a bit to make tensile, it robust enough. Tensile strength of bolt of the bolts and all that kind of stuff have to be taken into account as well. And ugh. yeah. Yeah. Which, which all of that has been in this design. So, I mean, again, it's a real head scratcher, but, so that's kind of where the designs enveloped. Now it's like, okay, you get this. It's in a flat pack. I can ship it to you, you know, and yeah, B -Y -O -H. You just basically break it out and bolt it up. <laughs> yep. It's one of those you break things it out where, and bolt it up. So it, it's one of those things where people go like, you know, why, why can't I just build this myself? And I'm like, you can, but the, all of the R and D that goes into it, it's much easier to just let someone else do it. <laughs> like, honestly, at the yeah. end of the day, um, and like I was about to say, in my shop, um, even in my shop, which is you know relatively well kitted out compared to the average newbie starting out, 
I would love to have something like a treadle hammer and especially something that's got a little bit more force than your standard, you know, like 25 pound inline treadle hammer. Um, I know a guy who sells kits, Sam. Yeah. Uh, a press, you know, a press does a lot of good things, but there are certain things that impact does better at than the press does. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been one thing that I've always been looking for because, you know, occasionally I can get a striker in to help me out for a day, but having a regular access to an impact tool that can provide that kind of force. Yeah, it's a striker you don't have to pay or or, or give sick <laughs> yeah. leave to. Yeah, or worry, worry yeah. if they're not going to show up for the day, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what roy uh you and i have almost the uh, same exact uh fly press now um and really that's awesome i after adding that to my shop i don't know how i ever lived without one to be honest <laughs> they are an incredible <laughs> tool and that weight is perfect yeah. yep 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 i i love i love the fly press because it's quite maybe because I'm getting older and I'm getting crankier. Maybe <laughs> as an old crank, I'm like, turn that music down, you know. But it's like, I, I, I mean, I've got a hydraulic press, but the hydraulic press it has a whiny motor in it. Uh-huh. I mean, it's uh, to get the noise out of it. It's like, oh man, this thing's so loud. And like that fly press, it's just whisper quiet, you know. I yeah. mean, there's mm-hmm. no noise associated other than the parts that are jiggling under my little parts table, you know. That's jiggling there is there. such a and, zen uh, to be had by so just the much crackle pressure. of a solid fuel forge, you know, the ring of an anvil with a hand hammer and the fly press, and everything is just mechanical and quiet, and you can just get yep. into such a rhythm. But as soon as you add gas forges and hydraulic presses and power hammers, they all just compound noise and you have to wear hearing protection that's playing music just to be able to pretend that you can't hear it, but you can still hear it. Yeah. 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 My two favorite, my two favorite tools in the shop right now is the treadle hammer kit that I designed and built. Um, and that's why I gave it a permanent spot in the shop there. Mm. I actually sunk a six by six treated post to mount it Mm. to my shop. For those that who don't know, uh, about it i have a very large building it's a 40 by 50 and it's 32 feet to the peak and it's an old it's big old dairy barn is what it is and so mm-hmm. um, the actual timbers in it are well over 100 years old so it's pretty cool but that means there's no studs or anything else no studded walls or or convenient ways to mount things unless you want to use an axe right and <laughs> <laughs> yep. start hewing lumber right there's no way of making attachment points so I put a big six by six treated post down on the ground and made it permanent in the shop. And the reason why I like it so much is it's like having somebody strike for you. There's no additional noise in the, tsk, you know, the air blow off when it, you know, yeah. releases the air from the cylinder. And then the fly press. I mean, I love that fly press. I, I did a whole series of videos on fly press tooling. They weren't very popular. So oh, I watched <laughs> I like, them all. Because I knew, like, I knew the one that I had coming was the exact same one, and I'm like, I am absorbing yeah. everything that Roy is putting out right now. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just wanted, I literally wanted to make like a whole bunch more videos around the tool. I've made a whole bunch of tooling since then, but like I was getting like 200 views in like the first 48 hours on those videos. Maybe you could do like, like a retrospective on all of the tooling that you've done or something. Yeah, yeah, do, do a big haul, a full yeah. blacksmith fly press haul or something. That's there you it. Go. Yeah. And I mean, like, the, the funny thing is, is that, like, with the quietness of the fly press, the treadle hammer is kind of the similar thing. You know, like, 
a lot of us are forging in suburban areas. I know you two aren't lucky buggers, but, (laughs) um, you know, like you can normally get away with a striker, um, because the hits aren't that powerful and they're also not that consistent, you know, like you're not running a power hammer that's, you know, slapping so hard that it's shaking the foundations of the shed and Mm -hmm. every other foundation of every other house and within a 300 meter radius. Um, so yeah, having the ability to have a, a like a heavy striking action in a very limited space as well, because like when you're talking about fly presses, you know, six tons plus, which is where it's like they're in that really usable range, the swing arms on them are quite wide, um, and that means that it takes up quite a bit of space in your shop that you can't put anything else in <laughs> except the fly press. Yep. And like it, in my shop, I, I've got a little four ton fly press that I I bought. Um, which isn't great for, like, you couldn't use it for forging, really. Um, you could on really small stuff, but I didn't buy it for that. I bought it for using my Maker's Mark in. Um, yeah. But even that, like, takes up space, but the arm is quite short. If I had anything larger, I would just, they would, I would, it would take up a quarter of my shop. So the, the treadle hammer idea, I really like it because it's, you know, it kind of mixes the two uh, in a way that's usable mm-hmm. for, a, uh, for a small smith like me. I mean, yeah. I'm not small, small but footprint. my shop is. so we have um a few listener emails that you might be able to help us with roy would love to well some of them (laughs) so our first one comes from bob and bob says hey fellas my father recently gifted me a carver laboratory press being a beginner blacksmith, I was wondering if it would have any practical use in blacksmithing or bladesmithing. I believe it's designed for more precision work, but if I put an automatic bottle jack and found a way to make some custom dies, could I squish some steel with this? I know you've both made and modified your own presses in the past, so any input you could share would be greatly appreciated. Love the show. So um, for people who don't know what a laboratory press is, it's a very sort of slow-moving pump press that has a pressure gauge on it so you can actually measure the amount of pressure being applied Uh, and unfortunately they do move very slowly and tend to be of lighter uh, built for lighter pressures than you would expect to uh, get from a forging press so um, uh, it does remind me though do you remember nils our old co-host and his press where he attached an angle grinder to a bottle jack (laughs) yep (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah he did and survive I mean, barely <laughs> barely but yeah no um it's funny because there are like um a lot of mechanic presses the air over pneumatic um like the air over hydraulic sorry um bottle presses that you can get from like hair and forbes or um I, I suppose in um america it would be a uh, harbor freight um the mm-hmm. they you know you get your 20 ton 30 ton h frame air over hydraulic so you can run off a uh, off a compressor the problem with them is that even if you get a decent amount of speed in the actual pressing um the only way to re- to return the jack is to release the the valve and let it withdraw <laughs> and so in order to run them most of the time you have to have two hands like one hand on the the bottle um pneumatic release and the other hand on the pneumatic control so you can't be holding the piece and running the press and the pneumatic control at the same time and that attitude and the well i mean you could hold it between your legs i suppose the blacksmith's Um, third hand (laughs) yeah so like chest height you know um (laughs) 
but the, at the same time the, the thing is that because the return is so like painfully slow you run out of heat before you get a second press and actually a friend of mine bought one of those and to do damascus and stuff like that with and he almost immediately went no i can't use this anymore <laughs> i'm selling yeah. it because it's just useless because um, even if so- you manage to get that squish you you when you are forging with a press you need to be able to go squish 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 very very quickly but um if you had to do one squish then put it back in the heat while your <laughs> your press yeah. retracted uh you'd be there for a very long time yeah i mean like that's why most people who convert their own presses like me use uh electric hydraulic um log splitter presses that have you know automatic return or you know manual return but it's hydraulic return not you know pneumatic release return <laughs> It might be good for putting in a touch mark, something yeah. like that. Yeah, or, you know, like crushing small items. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Make it on. Or another thing, another thing, potentially maybe sell it off yep. and get and what you need for something else. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, that that's another thing, you know, th- to consider. Uh, as Alex and Sam said, you know, it's too slow. Um, it's too mm. slow to do any practical, practical forging work with. I mean, it's it's meant to just put out a consistent pressure, you know, for yeah. scientific work. <laughs> slow and yeah. slow and careful pressure, much like the bearing presses you get at like uh, tire shops and stuff like that. That have to be incredibly slow because if you go too fast, you'll make the bearing turn into a grenade. <laughs> um, yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Which, by the way, I probably shouldn't say this, but fly presses are really good at putting in bearings as well. Like, I, I've used it. I've used it quite a bit. So I'm I mean, trying get, not. I'm looking for another sure fly press, so right I don't want to oversell it. <laughs> you get you get a little bit of uh, you know you, you get a little bit of control more control with a uh, fly press than you do with a like a, a hydro pneumatic. <laughs> it's it's one of those yeah. things. You know okay. how we're always saying um, there's, there's that. Uh, ingrained thing that people seem to think that solid fuel forges are more primitive than a gas forge is. However, a solid mm-hmm. fuel forge could happily liquefy a piece of steel using just a hand crank blower, whereas a gas forge, mm-hmm. you'd be running it all day and you'd never even get that hot. Fly presses, in a lot of ways, are superior to hydraulic presses simply because of that control ability. The, mm. uh, yep. uh, say, like, my fly press is six ton. It's six ton when I, uh, an average man stands there and pulls it at an average rate. Yep. That and <laughs> what does that even mean? That's how they measure it. <laughs> I weigh like 110 kilos or about 240 pounds. When I'm swinging off that thing, I'm pretty sure I'm putting out more than six tons. You're more than likely. Yeah. <laughs> but if I want to do a one ton hit, I can just as easily do that. Um, yep. And it's hard to do that with something like a log splitter press. You've got mm. it. It's got on and off and that's it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So there's versatility there in a fly press. So team fly press, hashtag yeah. team fly press. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of the, one of the other things that people don't uh, think about either on that quite a bit is hydraulic presses and fly presses are very similar in their, um, the pressure that they put out mm. as well. So, so a fly press can put out some kinetic energy with they give you that initial bump to get things moving. But then you can also use it like just like if you were cranking down a vice handle on mm. a, on an object. So you can use it to apply that additional force 
to an object. But those to so the fly presses ratings, they're rated at six ton or at five ton or at four ton. That's what it's max output is that you know they've mm. engineered it for us for it to take and put out well the same thing with the hydraulic presses is that is on a range right like so just yeah. because it's contacted your steel it's not hitting it with you know 40 tons of force just because <laughs> it touched your steel no that builds over time as well so going back to the original comment about the uh, the press and being too slow right the metal mm. chills off too quickly and therefore resists the tonnage that you're applying to it. And, yeah, and that's why it doesn't work cracks when it's so it's slow. Steel. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Or if you're trying, yeah. or if you're even a, trying to attempt some sort of Damascus or some mm -hmm. sort of uh, laminated anything. We know, you know how much you're a fan a high of carbon Damascus, steel Roy. <laughs> Oh yeah. I, I'm a super fan. I've got shirts. I've got shirts. <laughs> <laughs> A, we've been through this. A striped shirt is not a Damascus shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Even if it's multicolored? Plaid no? is not mosaic Damascus. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the closest to mosaic Damascus I'll ever do. <laughs> <laughs> Our next email comes from Steve. And Steve says, hello, guys. Quick question regarding hand sanding on hollow grinds. I've recently started playing with them, but I don't have any of the fancy belts yet for a good surface finish. What are your recommendations for belts for a decent serviceable surface finish? I don't much care for mirror polish as it doesn't last long anyway. So just a good satin finish would do. Thanks, Steve. So I don't know whether or not you're asking about hand sanding or belt finishes now, Steve. Mm. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe you're asking on what to take the belt grit up to before hand sanding. Maybe. Or maybe he means grinding, like finish grinding hollow grinds. From a non-knife maker's perspective, do it all. <laughs> all of them. All and of yes. That's <laughs> <laughs> your yeah. answer. I like to go up to a 240 grit finish on a belt before moving to a 180 grit for hands to start my hand sanding. That usually works for me. Yeah, that's a pretty good start. Like, that's a pretty good place to go. Um, you don't really need to go the higher than 240 on the grinder unless uh, you're doing... Well, specifically in hollow grinds, um, the higher you go, the better. Because um, hollow grinds are a pain to hand sand because you can't get cross-grit scratches very easily. Um, so normally I will take my hollow grinds to whatever grit I want to hand sand it at. So, you know, if I want a hand sand, if I want a 600 grit hand satin finish, I will go to 600 grit on the grinder. Um, that being said, if you're looking for like a serviceable hollow grind finish, 240 grit and then uh, something like a green Scotch Bright belt or, um, or even like a uh, cork 400 um, is a perfect finish for most uh, like standard usable blades. Cork belts are really, really underrated for finishing. Mm -hmm. I love them. Um, I haven't. I will say though that it's, they're amazing. It's only as good as the um, your ability to do the grinds. If you're stepping up through yep. the grits to sort of save you time hand sanding, or to have a belt finish that you actually take all the way to something like a cork polish, if you haven't ground out all of the previous grit scratches, you're going. They're going to stick out like dogs bollocks, and the higher you go, the more they're going to stick out. So. Um, if you're, if you're having that happen, work on your grinding technique 
take the time, really um, examine it between the grits. Do a Niels Vandenberg and slow your grinder down as far as it'll go and just mm. work slowly. Yeah. <laughs> so think of it like a woman. Go slower than you think. <laughs> So hopefully that helps, Steve. Our next and final email comes from Nicholas. And Nicholas says, Afternoon, fellas. I have two questions for y'all. I always feel weird saying y'all when people... and I don't think Australians get to use that word. No. I think this, that's our word. Um, <laughs> he says, First, could you touch on redressing your anvil a bit? I have an old anvil that I bought for fairly cheap, but the edges are worn down and the horn looks like it was used to hot cut plate. Uh, <laughs> secondly, what episode was the knife slash blade finishes episode? I know y'all done at least one, but I can't find it in the podcast list. As always, I greatly appreciate the information y'all share and look forward to listening and listening for years. Uh, Nicholas, so the episode about blade finishes was episode 167, uh, where we featured Koi Baker. We brought him back <laughs> to, uh, to talk about it. So that was a good episode, uh, filled with lots of juicy ideas. Now, when it comes to redressing anvils, Roy here uh, takes it another step further. He puts a whole new hard plate on the top of <laughs> forge welds yep. it in place. <laughs> <laughs> just braze, just braze a piece of like a uh, forklift tine to the top of your anvil. <laughs> no, you don't. You no, gotta melt no. it first in a crucible <laughs> and then pour it on. Yeah. Top. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you should put a big asterisk there. Attempt. To do <laughs> very miserably so, but attempt. So. You were working with Harbor Freight Anvil. It's, it's not yeah. really, uh, yeah, not really a surprise. Yeah. So, so when yeah, you that's, buy your that, really that's nice, a whole interesting series. When you buy a really nice Soda Force uh, Anvil, yeah, just just you know, braze braze on a bit of high carbon steel, you'll be fine. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or better yet, whip out that Harbor Freight angle grinder and grind all the good edges off of it. That. Yeah, you know, precisely. Guys dream about in their sleep to eventually have one when they're working on an Igor-looking anvil out there. So <laughs> you got to give your anvil some street cred. You know, slip with the, the hot cuddle a few times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I actually I have something to add on someone who's taken a lot of flack on dressing of anvils um, or rebuilding them. I've I've rebuilt up anvil edges, and I've I've actually dressed several anvils now across the time that I've been doing smithing. And I would just put this piece of advice, no matter how bad the condition of an anvil is, assess the anvil, one, on a historical value. So mm. are you about to take and throw a bunch of stick weld on something that was, like, made in, like, 1300, right? <laughs> uh, like, so, so think about that for a second, because it, well, it has some intrinsic value there a little bit, just because it's a very old historical anvil. The second thing to look at on that is, and keep this in mind, that it is always easier to take and grind metal away than it is to add it back once it's gone. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the most common thought, well, I'll just grind this down. Well, some of those cracks or some of those cuts could go a lot deeper than you think, and you can't get that material back. So if you got to grind a quarter inch of your horn away, you know, to mm. dress out some superficial, uh, you know, cutting that you could have just avoided with your hammer work or maybe even put a little tack weld in there and then cleaned it off. 
uh, that, you know, to get the horn reshaped, so to speak, just in your case, say they're an eighth inch deep, you have to remove an eighth inch of that material across the entire horn to get it redressed yeah. correctly versus yeah. adding some filler material and then grinding the filler material down to the uh, parent bar stock or, or to the actual anvil surface. So it's just something to keep in mind. That same goes for your edges as well, your anvil edges. Once they're ground away, yeah, uh, they're, it's hard they're to gone. Put them back on. It, it's very hard to put them back and make them stay as well. And I will point out, like a lot of newer smiths, I'm not saying you're new, Nicholas, but uh, a lot of newer smiths, they, they'll hear people say, oh, you've got to have a clean anvil face. It's got to be, you know, laser flat, milled, sharp corners, blah, blah, blah. People in the community, a lot of people like to talk very, very loudly at the camera and speak in absolutes and say, this is how it needs to be done. And the new people looking up at these these people will say, yes, yes, that's what I'm going to do. And then they take it to heart. The fact is... You can do excellent work on a sway-backed, chipped, broken-cornered anvil. It's about the person using the anvil. I still have my 200-plus-year-old M&H Armitage Sawyer's anvil that has 200 years' worth of dings across the surface, chisel cuts, and and because uh, it was used for tuning saw blades, and it was not used well. <laughs> and... I can still forge square and true just fine on that. When it comes time to planish and get my surfaces smooth, then I move over to my newer anvil, the the the, the one from Bruce Beamish, um, because it's got a new milled face. But you can just as easily simulate that by dropping a hardy tool that's got a flat plate on top of it for planishing. Um, you block. can... Yeah, you can you can absolutely do that. Or if you don't, if you're using a Sawyer's anvil like I do, you can actually have something that you clamp into a blacksmith's vice and do the planishing there. Planishing strikes are not heavy strikes. You can absolutely do that, or just drop a bit of heavy plate on top of your anvil. But in terms of your actual f general forging, all of the shaping that you do, you don't need a crisp, smooth, perfectly flat, square anvil surface to do it. Uh, keep in mind. The Gurkha smiths would forge kukris on domed scrap steel. They would mm -hmm. embed sledgehammer heads in concrete and forge on that. Um, you know, you, you can forge on a, a big enough rock. And, you know, it's about <laughs> moving the steel, shaping the steel. Planishing is just one step, and that's the only step that actually needs a perfectly clean face. Absolutely. Um, and like on the subject of welding to an anvil face, um, a lot of people will assume that you can just kind of go ahead and just lay some like hard face rod on and you'll be fine. Um, anyone who knows anything about welding knows that preheat and postheat is incredibly important, especially when doing like heavy work with like really large stock. And so welding to a like 80 pound, 160 pound anvil you got to put a lot of heat in that before you start laying some <laughs> laying some rod down. Quite um, a lot of heat. Yeah, and then post heat it for a while, and you run the risk if you don't know what you're doing of detempering the face and basically ruining what is left of the usable tool steel face that you've got on your anvil if it's an old anvil like that. So um, just be like very aware that you're also creating a heat affected zone around any weld that you make. So if you're doing small patch welds, 
Um, the zone around that weld is going to be like heat affected. So you could have brittleness or you could have detempering. So softness around those edges. And so, yeah, like, like Alex said, an anvil block is a really good way to go. Just, you know, getting yourself a piece of square, like heavy stock or something like that. And you can make different radii on each corner. So you have different radii for set downs and stuff like that. If you need an edge, um, and that will save you a whole lot of heartache and pain of trying to fix the anvil too much. Uh, and then just do all your heavy forging on the anvil face itself. And when you need to do set downs or replenishing, like Alex said, use an anvil block. I've yeah. got one more thing to add on that as well. Um, there is a thought that you want to use hard surfacing rod and use it into your edges as well. And I know this will be debatable. I'm sure it'll be controversial to professional welders out there around the world, but <laughs> generally we're never controversial think, on this think, show, Roy. Yeah. Yeah. Never. never. Yeah. <laughs> you, you didn't, you didn't invite a, a, a non-controversial person onto the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, so it's always my suggestion if you're going to repair an anvil, like on the edges, that you just use basic mild steel and mm. you don't actually use hard facing rod or use high nickel rod or, or things like that because there's a larger potential and an increase of edge chip out when you do. And, and right. so if you don't, if, if you're not comfortable with your welding ability and you've never repaired an anvil before, you know, it's hard facing rod can be quite tricky. And as Sam was talking about, you have to have a preheat. You have to have a post heat in that. Um, if you're welding to cast, you have to have a base layer. Mm -hmm. You know, if it, you know, you have to have a base layer to uh, go the go between that and the hard facing rod. Otherwise, it'll just pop out and it's going to take some more of your anvil edge with you. Uh, as well. So I always recommend to use, you know, like just your regular mild steel wire um, out of your wire machine or whatever you've got for, you know, uh, stick welder, your stick welding rod, just a good mild steel rod to take and use in your edges. Because say you're striking with a buddy and you've got this piece that's barely hanging on that didn't get any penetration <laughs> or that wasn't done correctly. Turns into a bullet. And then, and then it turns into a bullet on you. So, yeah. Yep. So it's always good to just take a rethink every time you look at an old anvil. Do I really want to take the time to build this up or should it, you know, should I just use it as is to Alex's point and, uh, you know, just use it as is and then upgrade later to something newer or nicer once you're not a beginner anymore. There's a bit of a trend I've been seeing lately of people sticking anvils on, on uh, milling tables and just running carbide facing cutters across the top and um while that will get you a square top to your anvil <laughs> you, you, d you can't always tell very clearly how deep the uh the hardenable face is and most well not i'm not going to say most but a lot of anvils are um cast iron with a face hardenable face welded on top they might even be cast mild uh with a hardenable face plate on top and if you cut away that face plate you might just be left with cast iron or mild underneath that if it's not a solid cast anvil um 
and you, you sometimes it's clear sometimes you can actually see where the weld is where that's been attached on but it's it's not always evident unfortunately so uh, doing that trend of just sticking on a giant mill table and and facing it off is is makes me cringe a little bit every time but i'm assuming that the people <laughs> doing it are uh, they know what they're doing but you know you would like to assume, wouldn't you? I'd like to assume. Let's say that. Yeah. <laughs> it goes back to it goes back to my original point, though. Mm. It's it's always easier to take it off than it is to put it back on. Imagine them put that whole surface back on. Yeah, they haven't invented they a machine deep. that does the opposite of that yet, where you just bolt it to a table and it just adds steel as it goes back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Yes. So. Well, Great you know, that, yeah, hopefully that answers your question, Nicholas. And, um, you know, if you've got an anvil with character, it's always a bit nice too. You know, I've, I've got a couple of very old anvils and I've got one that's old for me because I got it when I first started and it's sentimental. I don't use it much anymore. It's more of a traveling anvil. Um, and my main anvil that I use now is my Beamish anvil, which is only a few years old. So it um, doesn't mean I don't like having the other ones. We'll keep saying it, and Roy will confirm for us that you, as a blacksmith, the longer you go as a blacksmith, the more often anvils just fall in your lap. Yeah, they just they, they just show up out of nowhere. Yeah. you'll just be, you'll <laughs> turn your back for five seconds, and suddenly there's another anvil in your shop, and suddenly you're like six thousand dollars poorer. Um, <laughs> they just they sneak up on you in the night while you're asleep, and you know steal all your money and just like Wiley Coyote, just kapunk. Yeah. yeah. I'm ashamed of how many Harbor Freight anvils I have in my shop right now. I have such shame. <laughs> Make a Christmas tree out of them. Uh, yeah, they're piled up. It's <laughs> <laughs> ornaments. But yeah, like yeah. seriously, you just end up collecting. I, I have had to turn away anvils because I, I don't have room in my shop for them. So... Um, yeah, definitely. It, don't worry about it too much. If you've got an anvil right now that's not great, you'll find another one. Trust me. I want to see Roy do a video where he forges a miniature version of Olga on Olga and then uses that <laughs> Olga to forge an even smaller Olga on, <laughs> on the mini oh, Olga. No. <laughs> that would be amazing. I'm Yo, gonna Roy, write that you... down. That's that's a great video idea. So like, how, you know that how many times can you fold a piece of paper thing? Like how, how small can you go? Yeah, yeah. There you go. So, um, like, what, what's what's the next big move for the the Adams business, the the Christ Centered Ironworks business? What's 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 on your your radar? Well, uh, I've got several things. This upcoming year, so I've been trying to push close, you know, further, further into doing um, the absolute best ironwork that I can do. Mm-hmm. And so it's always a balance trying to get the time to do such things while running the YouTube channel, while running the CNC business, while doing like the whole host of other things, being dad, being husband, being lawn care guy, being... <laughs> ditch digger snow shoveler mechanic you know all Mm. the various other hats um so on my radar is right now i've got a um a masterwork planned for 
uh, I guess it's 2023. It's crazy to think that that's already mm. coming around the corner already. But uh, so I've got a, I've got a project that I'm, I'm in, I'm titling it's, it's a masterwork. So it's going to be on the level of those who've seen my, my French Baroque uh, hammer that I had made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I don't, you know, that was last year. I believe that was it was my inspiration I, I made of that. the week when you did that. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. I, I heard that, you know, that I was a little gay schoolgirl on the inside. Like, oh, <laughs> you mentioned me. Yay. <laughs> I still love uh, that. But, uh, you reposted it not long ago and I, I saw it again. I melted a little bit again when I saw it. I'm like, Oh, that's such a yeah. nice hammer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. That, that was a, that was a lot of work. Um, what I found, what I found in that is, uh, I really do enjoy doing high detail work, um, mm-hmm. and I, I like the methodicness of it. You know, where you can just get into your get into a creative headspace and then just stay at it always. So the the masterwork in question that I'll be doing, uh, it will be a grill of mm-hmm. sorts. It'll be a grill, and it will have. A lot of fine detail, like that hammer uh, had, and a lot of chasing, a lot of repose work, a lot of file work, collars, acanthus leaves, scrolls. Like um, a cooking grill? You name it. So, no, like a window grill. Like oh, it used gotcha. to be. I was going to say, all the Texans grill. listening are like, oh, you're talking about a cooking grill. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, you don't sear your steak on this thing. Marge, so. get the steaks ready. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, so so that's the big that's the big objective for 2023, and then uh, I've also got a design for a press, a bolt together press that'll come as a kit. That's Very a big cool. one in the CNC business. So we'll have to see how that goes. I still have to, I have to get it all drawn, and then I'm going to have an engineer. Uh, an actual proper engineer, you know, safety spec it and because of all the, the pressures and, involved. Yeah, that's good. Yep, yep, yep. So I'm going to have that as part of that before I can release that. And uh, yeah, I mean that's that's really about it. Uh, I'm already kind of booking out for the year on events and venues in a way. Like, so I've got two classes I'll be teaching in Ohio: one at Blue Hell Studios and one at uh, Goshen. Ohio, uh, yep. there'll be a. I'll be teaching some classes there. I'll be doing some. Fa- I'll be the conference demonstrator at FABA this year, which is the Florida Artist Blacksmith Association here in America, and then mm-hmm. also UMBA, which is the Upper Midwest Blacksmith Association. They're in Wisconsin. That'll actually be coming up here in the next month or so. So, jeez, right. um, you're going to be yeah, busier so- than a stump-tailed bull in fly season. <laughs> oh man oh man i tell you what it's busy it's busy for sure <laughs> Bus- busier so, than a funeral home fan in july yeah yeah <laughs> funeral home fan in july oh man that just sunk in <laughs> busier than a one-legged man in an ass kicking contest yeah yeah <laughs> and i'm down to one knee right now you know yeah. so <laughs> Yeah, uh, so other than that, with the uh, with the YouTube channel, my plan is to continue on with content. Right now, I'm like in a little bit of a Harbor Freight Anvil rut, so mm-hmm. bear with me, anybody who's a viewer of the channel. You'll you're gonna get sick and tired of seeing Harbor Freight Anvil videos, <laughs> uh, where I do different testing and trying, and it's okay. Uh, we, we will move we on. Never, we never tire. We will move we on eventually. Tire. 
um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's that's when basically it. When are they going to reach you know, out and be nutshell. like, "Hey, we, we want you to, we want to sponsor you and send you anvils to destroy"? <laughs> I don't think they'll ever reach out. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> if if anything, I hope they will actually upgrade that thing to something more usable and get with the program. At hey, this uh, point, at this point in time, with the forged in fires out there and everybody's done reviews and saying, Hey, this anvil's broken like half a second and they should really just listen. Like, I mean, even if they add an extra 20, 30 bucks on top of that anvil and just made it out of mild steel, it would be far superior to what the, it is. Uh, the lock picking now, lawyer you know, has been so. trying to do that to master lock for years <laughs> and they still are putting out just a yeah. crappy product. It's just not going to change. Yeah. I, like honestly, the funny it, thing. Oh, sorry. Oh, I was going to say one of the funny things is my local Harbor Freight store, they, they're subscribed to the YouTube channel. <laughs> so they, they actually do know me when I come in because I'm the only person coming in and getting six Harbor Freight anvils. One, and they're like, one day you're going to walk you up doing? and the automatic doors won't open. Like, this, <laughs> like, this is weird. And they'll just come up to the door on the other side, just slowly shake their head. Yeah. <laughs> Put up I'll a little sign that says, do not serve this man. <laughs> um, one, one of the uh, TikTokers I follow, McNally, McNally Official, uh, who's a lock picker, has like gone to war with Master Lock so much that they like have banned him from their headquarters <laughs> because he can, <laughs> he can literally bump open any Master Lock padlock with a wave rake, just like one smack and it's open. He does it every <laughs> video that I've seen. He can do it with his eyes closed. It's, you know, yeah, it's quite well, tragic. I'm interested to see whether or not they uh, actually can ban him from their headquarters because <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't they be using master locks on all of their locks? Because if you went yeah. to the master lock headquarters and they were using, like, you know, Asa, centurion Asa locks. <laughs> 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 That's bad PR, that is. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Trust me, Master Lock is probably not securing their building with a <laughs> with Master Lock. They they, they, they lost all the keys years ago. All of the people that open uh, up in the morning just use a wave rake. <laughs> just now, use a now we have to put in the we have to put in the legal disclaimer there. These are solely our opinions and does not represent fact. Or you know, this is not specifically endorsed by Master Lock. Blah 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 blah. Legalese. Read the description. <laughs> It's like those uh, pharmaceutical com uh, ads on TV. At the end of it, it's like that. <laughs> see, see back yep. the for details. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So, um, Roy, we have a Forgecast challenge going on, and you'll mm -hmm. like it, I'm sure. So, uh, uh -oh. we have challenged our listeners to forge a socket. We don't care what it's on. Could be a spear, a spade, or an arrowhead. We don't give a damn, but we want to see a forged stock, a forged socket, and bonus points if it's actually forged welded shut. Mm. You could do Ooh. a candle holder. You could do a hand candle holder, which is you know, with the impen. If you're in Europe, you might need one soon. Yeah, <laughs> or if you're in Florida right now. <laughs> yeah, or Florida. if you're in Florida. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I did. I I did want to actually say, in case people are worried, I did reach out this morning to both Francesco Mucci and Jim Morrissey, past guests mm. on the show, who both live in Florida. 
uh, and they're both fine. They're, they're okay. Good. They're kind of in the path of it, um, but they're they're holding down well. So, yeah. Any any of our listeners that are down there, guys, just stay safe, please. Yeah, don't do anything silly. My, my nah. sister lives in Florida. She lives outside. She lives just outside Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and she posted a, a picture the other day on Facebook, and it was like how Floridians, you know get ready for a hurricane <laughs> and she was just sit she was like lounged out in her pool with a <laughs> uh like a martini I mean, <laughs> and a little umbrella are, she was just like yeah and it was sunny a, there is a reason so. that florida man and florida woman are like an international you know like mm. craze because you yeah. know florida man and florida woman are are insane <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I, think, those photos I think people who like don't live those, in Florida, those white plastic right. outdoor dining sets and one of the chairs yep. has fallen over <laughs> and it says we will rebuild. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's every time Perth has a storm, to be honest. Yeah. But I, I, I expect yeah. to see a headline of like Florida man tries to fist fight hurricane Ian. Yeah. I think what it comes down to is people who don't live in Florida are more concerned about people who live in Florida than the people who live in Florida. That's why they live there. You're probably right there. It's kind of like people who get who get shocked that we get snow up here this far mm. north up in the northern Michigan. It's like, well, it happens every year. You right. get snow <laughs> but in it's four foot. Barn. Yeah. Yeah, it's always exactly. Inside. It's like, but but it's four foot deep. Yeah, it's always four foot deep. What are you talking about? Like, <laughs> it's okay. It's, a, it's always interesting to see it snowing inside your shop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you, you know what that is? You know, that is so this way I can prove to everybody I am in an actual open air workshop. Right? You know? mm. Otherwise, they'll be like, nah, he isn't. He's in a dungeon. No, I'm in an open-air workshop. It's actually <laughs> Jessica it's with a big bag of beanbag beans on the top of a ladder above you, just slowly shaking it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yep. yeah that's, that's one of the other things that I'll be doing um, this upcoming year. I'll be putting a new roof on the barn, one of my many other things that I have to do. So, uh, I remember you talking about that years ago. Some loving. Yep. Yeah, yeah, well... Just getting saved up to it now. So we put yeah. the siding on the barn this year. Um, it's a big and that job. was a big process. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yep. Yep. That's one downside for everybody who decries wanting a bigger shop. This, uh, yeah. Just listen to this word of caution. Um, think about logistically, financially, if you can mm -hmm. afford a much bigger shop. Because basically everything you're doing in your 8x10 shed right now, it goes up in orders of magnitude by like 10x. And you don't you get into this career to be rich. Space. No, yeah. no. You end up spending it all right back into the career, basically. Yeah. And not, not only that, but like, you know, it's it's great to think about expanding your workshop and having room for all of these nice, cool toys like power hammers and stuff. Mm -hmm. But they all cost money too. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. It's kind of like, it's kind of like if, uh, if, Right now, so I've been needing an upgrade in my trailer because I've been going and driving and getting steel. And my old trailer I have is just a single axle and the springs are tired in it, you know, and I mm -hmm. really overloaded it too much over the years is what's happened <laughs> with it. And uh, so I need to get a bigger trailer, which costs money, right? 
But then when I get a bigger trailer with more capacity to haul steel, then I don't have the money to buy the amount of steel that would max out the trailer <laughs> capacity. You, you know? get the so, new trailer <laughs> and then go pick up like two lengths of quarter inch round and that's it. Yep. <laughs> I can yep, see you in, exactly. the, in the lot just tying it down. <laughs> <laughs> So here I am with a 20 foot trailer, you know, that's, you know, weighs 4,000 pounds itself, you know, trying to go and get 50 pounds of steel. So <laughs> then the gas prices of dragging that extra trailer. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And where I, and where I live, there's no places local really that I can get a good price on steel. So I have to drive three and a half hours one way to oh, go geez. get my steel from a steel yard. And that's for plate steel. For the CNC business and for the for the blacksmithing business as well. So, you know, so three and a half hours one way, three and a half hours back. It's a whole day of it. So it is one of those things where you want to uh, you want to make one trip if you can. You know, yeah, what I mean, stock up once or twice a month. So, yeah, jeez. Yeah. But yeah, with, right. with building size, it's the same thing. If you know more, it, the larger the footprint, the more it takes to cover it. The more it takes to concrete it. The more it takes to uh, heat it, uh, mm-hmm. or cool it down depending on your, so, you know, place in the globe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, just something to think about. So, you know, be happy, be happy that you have a small shop and, and, and grow with it until you move into a medium shop and then grow with that until you move into a large shop and then You'd stop. Be thankful you did <laughs> and then stop. Cause it will get out Don't of control. Don't go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> You'll end up as Coy Baker with his giant, massive workshop. A team of like yeah. six people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, glorious beards. Yep. Yeah. All right, I, I got in is... on that one. <laughs> Which seems to be a prerequisite to work for Koi. Like you have to have a glorious beard yeah. to work for him. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And the funny thing is you think that you would be making like people that have like nine, a crew of nine people and gigantic 20,000 square foot building and all this stuff and all these fancy tools and toys. You think they would just be making bank. Nope. Spending it all. That's not how it works. It just gets spent right back out. Chances are they're making as much as a guy who's in his garage Mm -hmm. (laughs) selling stuff at the local craft show. So, yeah. Just with cooler toys. Cooler toys. Yeah. Yeah. Way cooler toys. So, guys and girls, um, if anyone has more questions about blacksmithing or bladesmithing that they'd like to send to the show, you can slide into our DMs. We're on Facebook and Instagram, and you can email us at ask.forgecast at gmail.com. But, Roy, it's been awesome to see you again. We've got to not wait three years for the next time we get you back on. Yeah, yeah, that would be good. Who knows where I'll be then? Maybe on another (laughs) planet by that time. (laughs) Maybe even coming to visit us and doing it live. Hey, hey, well, who knows? You know, in person, I'd, live. I'd love to travel internationally hey, as soon man, as all the craziness ever, is gone. If you're ever in my <laughs> neck of the woods, feel free to yeah. drop me a line. When Sam yeah. and I both live in the two most remote parts of Australia there are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's it. <laughs> People will travel to, to Australia and then go, oh, so where are you guys in, in the country? And we're like, yeah, over here and over here. And they're like, yeah, I'm not visiting. Yeah. <laughs> so literally everyone i've talked to that's coming to australia is like going to sydney and melbourne and i'm like cool mm-hmm. so you'll still be like three and a half thousand kilometers away from me and you'll still be across the ocean from alex mm-hmm. yeah 
Well, I'd, I'd love to go to Australia someday and just do like a tour, like do like a mm. grand tour over there. Just, you know, visit. You'd have to if you were going to see both of us. It's sort of like, (laughs) imagine that Sam lived in Seattle and I lived in Cuba. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's kind of what it's like. Those sorts of distances and water bodies and such. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, but yeah. um, Where can, for some reason, if somebody has not yet followed you, Roy, where where can people? It's not likely. We're just doing this as a as a politeness, really. <laughs> they already follow you. Um, <laughs> where can people find you? Well, all you have to do is simply type in "Christ Centered Ironworks" uh, in Google, and you will find me in all the regular old places. I'm on Instagram, uh, Facebook. You'll find my page there. I don't do a lot on Facebook, uh, so I'm Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, you'll be able to catch me at all those places. And, uh, TikTok, yeah. OnlyFans. <laughs> no TikTok, no OnlyFans. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, with the amount of with the amount of cookware you've made, you could do an OnlyPans. <laughs> OnlyPans. Yeah, an OnlyPans. Yeah. <laughs> Start my own website. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> OnlyPans. Just all hand forged skillets. Just <laughs> <laughs> slow, like uh, slow videos of you seasoning them. Maintaining eye contact with the camera while you do it. Yeah, it's eye always in up. the eyes. You got to maintain eye contact. That's it. Yeah. So. You got to mad dog that. <laughs> Blast and careless whisper while you, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. Get the yeah. saxophone. See, sax I could, boom I going. could do an OnlyFans for the kilt people. All the people out there in the blacksmith world that want me to wear a kilt. Some guys have an absolute obsession with me wearing a kilt. And I've told everybody, a hundred grand. A hundred grand. <laughs> he lives in Michigan you know. and it's coming into winter. I mean, yep. And yep. if you go kilt, for, if you get the hundred grand, is it going to be traditional kilt? Yeah, like traditional kilt. kilt. The only way to no, do no, it, i got to do I my mean, heritage proud. I mean the undergarment. <laughs> or lack, of it, lack thereof. <laughs> Exactly. Yes. Yeah. It's like, oh, I dropped my steel, Ben Ford. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's like, we yeah. regret asking him to wear the kilt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah. told all my subscribers, I said, hey, if I get to a hundred thousand, if 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 I get a hundred thousand dollars by the by the end of this year, I will wear all of twenty twenty three, even ice fish, in a kilt. Ice fishing in a kilt. Oh my god! Yep, I won't take it off for the whole of 2023. So, but uh, <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to make me eat my words. As you might yet, have to so. scrap a space heater to your thighs. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the I dare you price. So that that is like literally just calling someone out. Yep. Uh, one day you're going to get a just mysterious parcel in the mail. It's going to be a neatly folded kilt with a check for a hundred grand on top of it. Oh, buddy, <laughs> I'll take it. I'll yeah. take it. Yeah, Everyone has, has their sellout price, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Big thanks to you for coming on again. I'm sure everyone everyone was so excited to have you on. So hopefully they they got what they wanted from you. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, guys. I uh, greatly appreciate it, and uh, pray God will continue to bless you guys' uh, you know, podcast here and grow it to where it's number one in the world, period. 
not just in Blacksmith podcast. Keep keep it going. Number one podcast all around. We'll beat out the true crime. Just period. Oh, yep. man. <laughs> That'll be the dream. What about you, Sam? Where can people find you? You can find me at Samtown's Bladesmith on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Etsy, Patreon, Redbubble. And you can find me at the underscore kitchen underscore sink on TikTok. I will eventually upload some <laughs> content. We might actually have a TikTok star on the show at some point soon. Um, <laughs> where can they find you, Alex? I go by Valhalla Ironworks and you can find me Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Patreon, Redbubble. I am on TikTok, but they're still threatening to ban me. So, you know time will tell (laughs) but um yeah uh i hope everybody has enjoyed the episode we'll see you again next week with another guest see you then thanks everyone Oh!